Greetings, rare ones. My name is Joanne, and I started the Rare Birds podcast because I wanted to hear from people like myself who come from emerging markets or the developing world, as we're called, who are entrepreneurial, resourceful, passionate, and energized to take their vision from idea to startup. Each week, you will hear me interview founders and teams from across emerging markets who are in the early stages of building their businesses. From time to time, you will also hear me speak with established ecosystem builders, mentors, investors, and business professionals who share knowledge based on their years of experience. This podcast is for anyone who is interested in hearing from the next wave of change makers across emerging markets, building in various industries from agro to tech to health, beauty, and all in between. This podcast is also for those who have ideas, but they're not entirely sure how to make them a reality. They're looking for inspiration and encouragement. We call ourselves Rare Ones. And if this sounds like you, then welcome to the family. Sit back, relax, and listen in to our always so good conversation. Bye for now. Greetings, Rare Ones, and welcome to the Rare Birds podcast. And I am your host, back at you again this week with another episode. And this evening, I am joined by Ruth Islema from Nigeria. Hello, Ruth. I hope I pronounced your name correctly, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, you tried. <laughs> I tried. I tried. tried. I'm getting better. Yes. I'm getting better. Ruth, welcome to the yes. show. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. So how are you? It's, how are things in Nigeria? Yeah. Uh, things in Nigeria are... Okay, they are evolving. They are evolving. evolving. So hopefully okay. things will get better. Yeah. I like that answer. They're evolving. That's a really good answer, you know, Ruth. So Ruth, where in Nigeria are you based? Which city are you in? So I'm based in Lagos, Nigeria. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, but I so, wasn't always in Lagos, Nigeria. So okay, okay. So tell us, tell, tell us about about you in Nigeria. Then, where were you before? Where were you born? And all of that good stuff. Yeah. So, so there's this song in uh, where I'm from, where they say I'm a Potakot boy. So, okay. uh, yeah, I was born in Potakot in River State, Nigeria. And mm-hmm. I, I grew up most of my teenage life there. And mm-hmm. I, yeah, most of my teenage life. And most in Potakot has a very uh, soft spot in my heart because mm. it's like home to me. And mm-hmm. uh, after Potakot, I went to Accra, Ghana, and mm. did my schooling there before. I came back to Nigeria and I decided to go and base in Lagos. Okay, nice. Is it quite common for um, young Nigerians to study in Accra? Yes, actually. Um, so what happens is uh, most times the educational system over here doesn't uh, favor a lot of people. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, if your parents were able to save the money or could afford it, uh, mm-hmm. they get to either 
take you out of the country. So some people school as close as Benin Republic is just like a border away from Nigeria. The school mm-hmm. there, there's an American university there, or mm-hmm. some school in Accra. Some mm-hmm. also go to other countries like US, UK, Ukraine, Russia to school or to further studies. So you, because I, I, I was referring to sort of like secondary school. Are you referring to university? Yeah, I'm referring to university. Ah, uh, okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay, yeah. so you went to university in Ghana. Okay, all right. And what did you study there? Huh? Don't laugh. <laughs> I'm not going to laugh. I already know, but you can tell, tell uh, yeah. the audience. Oh, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I studied pharmacy. Yes. So I studied to be a pharmacist, yes. Yes, she studied to be a pharmacist, but instead she is working in blockchain. And we're going to get to that a little bit later. So what was it like growing up in 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 your state? You said River State, in in your country generally. What was that like? Well, uh, I, I would say it's a bit uh, calmer than most places and mm-hmm. things just go how will I say it? it's it was a little bit too slow for me so not the hustle and bustle of Lagos the big city yeah yeah so so I think that was why I really love Lagos I I yeah. love the energy I love the whole adrenaline pushing in the morning till evening the next mm-hmm. day you're up at again you're achieving you're growing you're improving so mm-hmm. yes even though i do love that but for me it wasn't my ideal place to mm. actually grow my career yeah even yeah. even though i was trying to be a pharmacist normally it wouldn't have also been an ideal place for me to grow myself yeah yeah, so you studied, okay, you went over to Accra in Ghana, and you studied at university there, and then you came back to Nigeria, and then what happened? So, um, while I was in Accra, too, so I've always had this um, entrepreneurship flair. So, mm. when other little girls were dreaming about being princesses and being swooped by Prince Charming, yeah. I was actually dreaming about sitting at the head of the board seat and being the board chairman of an right. organization. Yeah, so for me... Board chairwoman. Uh, board chairwoman. Yes. Board chairwoman. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So, so for me, uh, um, I've always loved to be, do business or be an entrepreneur. So mm-hmm. at first, I didn't know what I would start with. But yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, but along the way, though, I tried my hands on a few things. Uh, While I was in school, I did a copy business, made a lot of money. Some people were jealous. I competing and all that and all that. But at the point Uh in time, I left it alone. I did a uh, copy business. Wow. Okay. Nice. Yeah. So when I saw that everybody was trying to get into that, yeah, I had already um made my way and most of the copiers around the school knew me and they mm-hmm. gave businesses to me at a cheaper price so I could make a profit on it. But 
uh, at the point in time. I even got my own personal copier, but that was stressful um, doing a copy business and mm. also reading to be a pharmacist. Like yeah. the books, yes, the chemistry and everything. Yeah. So, so even though it was fun, even though I made mm. many out of it, uh, it wasn't sustainable for me in the long run. Yeah. yeah. After a while, yeah, I also started something with drinks in Accra, and mm. some people loved it. Yeah, but you know, like I said again, I was schooling, and I didn't yeah. intend on dropping out. So yeah, so I think my challenge was when it came to distributorship. I had to focus on it and get good distributors to help distribute my drinks and all yeah. that. But I again, I saw that look, if you do this, it's going to affect your studies. So you have yeah. to choose one. So I had to mm. choose my studies instead. Yeah, Absolutely. so I did a couple of mm. others. I, I love how you said that you had a bit of entrepreneurial flair. I think you have you have a lot of entrepreneurial flair. <laughs> Everything you just <laughs> mentioned. Okay, yeah. so then you decided, right, it's time to focus on studying. I'm sure your parents preferred that too focused on studying. Yeah, yeah. I, I did a whole lot more. So so even even before I got into the university, I was running a weight loss business because I felt like my mom had gained some weight and I was like, look, <laughs> you have to lose some weight. And she has this group of friends. I'm like, oh, all of you have gained weight in your group. So you guys are going to pay me to do like a diet plan or a weight loss plan what? for all of you. And mm. <laughs> it was really funny. So, but after then, after I got my first payment, did my payment plan for all of them, I was like, no, we can't continue this. It's not scalable. I can't yeah. have only you guys um, mm. being my customers. So if nice. I didn't see myself in the fitness business, there was no need mm. for me to continue that. Yeah. Right. So then how did blockchain happen? Yeah, so with blockchain, uh, that comes with uh, my tech savvy side, which mm. most times my siblings say I'm a nerd, but I do not mm. agree with them. Mm. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I've been reading about blockchain and everything. Mm. I always follow the trends, but yeah. actually I didn't really know how to use it. So yeah. Uh, I think that was in 2013 or so. Uh, I got mm. a friend from Japan and I was like, oh, wh how do you do this? Teach me what you're doing. So, yeah. And he was like, oh, he has to move money from Japan to Nigeria, but it's difficult for him. So he has to use Bitcoin. And I was like, okay, yes, I've heard about Bitcoin, but how are, not, how, how are you using it, like the use case? So when he explained the whole thing to me, I was like, hmm. This can scale further and this can go bigger than just this little circle or yeah. say, yeah, or say, so, so we're on WhatsApp and Telegram then, and mm -hmm. we made a lot of other contacts. We got to trade with a lot of other people from other countries and all that. But then again, I said to myself, like you said, uh, you can't do this on WhatsApp forever or Telegram. You need mm. an identity. And now this was a business which could actually scale. So that was how yeah. I got into 
it. I got to teach myself more about the whole blockchain thing. Uh, got involved in some, um, what do you call them? Some meetups. Some meetups, okay. some conferences. Right. Yeah, got in touch right. with some other people that I saw were interested in the ecosystem. And yeah, that, that was pretty much how I started. Yeah. So that's a good segue into the actual topic that we're going to be discussing today, which is women in blockchain and just the the sort of the current state of affairs now and the future and where you think everything is going. So now may be a good time to tell everybody about BitMama. Okay. What is BitMama? Yeah, so, so BitMama is a crypto fiat exchange where people change their digital assets for fiat currencies. And uh, when I say fiat mm -hmm. currencies, like US dollar, Chinese mm -hmm. yen, uh, and, yeah. uh, oh, sorry, the Chinese yuan, RMB. right? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, RMB. Yeah, and Japanese mm -hmm. yen, something. Yeah, so you can move your currency from digital currency to, and vice versa to, mm -hmm. We just enable those transactions happen on our platform. Okay. And when did you, when was the company founded by yourself? Okay. So uh, if we want to say official founding dates, uh, it's 2018. But um, I always had the dream and the vision since 2016. So I'd already started working on it. Uh, that yeah. was, I think, by April 2016. So I built out a WordPress site. So I still even archived the site. So I say, oh, so I could always look back and say, this was my first WordPress site when I had the dream or the vision to do something like this so that I always go back to it and remind myself how it all started. So yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. So with that site, we, had, we just had like five customers. So mm. they come, they go, yeah. But then again, it's about your product being able to scale, getting right. to that product market fit where everybody can use it. So mm. once it's not there, you keep on changing, keep on iterating. So I think that was it for me. 2017, I then got a developer to now officially start working on the platform. And mm. in 2018, like I said, I officially registered the company. So I had started the process in 2017, but uh, the official registration documents came out in 2018. And yeah. uh, that was when we got into a female accelerator. We hadn't done much work. Like I said, so the first platform was like five customers. Uh, mm. the second when we iterated the second platform though they didn't the next customers didn't really like it but at least it was an upgrade we had more customers so but that got us into a female accelerator uh from mm. greenhouse lab venture garden okay. group yeah right. and uh, we used that as a, a base to kick off yeah and made our platform better Mm. but we weren't still there yet yeah and uh yeah we kept on iterating throughout last year last year we got better revenues with iterations and by this year i think uh um maybe when we're done with some upgrades and some features 
I think mm. maybe we are now getting to the product that will get us to the next two million or three million customers. Okay. So is it just you then, Ruth, or do you have a full team? Oh. Tell us tell us the dynamics of, of your business, the people. Okay, so so we have a full team, mm -hmm. but unfortunately, um, since we are few women in this space, most mm -hmm. times I get to work with a lot of guys. So of course. I try my best to also maybe put a female in certain positions, like maybe handling the communications, the PR, the blog, and mm -hmm. maybe the social media or something else. But it's kind yeah. of really difficult to see somebody that has, um, well, I say my flair, or mm -hmm. knows what I know, and is also a female in blockchain that mm. is in this part of sub-Saharan Africa. So, mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit difficult, but I hope one day I could find that person or we could uh, train somebody to know as much or be like that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, but for now, I've been able to work with a couple of people helping the company grow. Um, at least we've gotten to where we are. The team is about 10. Ten of us, mm -hmm. just three contracts, and the rest are full time. But mm -hmm. it's very important that any everybody that comes on the team knows about uh, blockchain, or at least a little bit about blockchain. If not, you would not be able to fit into our target market, or maybe do something that fits into our target market. Right, right, right. Okay, so. What are some of the challenges that you have experienced as a woman in this space? Hmm. Okay, I think the number one thing I would say is funding. Of course. So, yes. yeah, most readily uh, my male counterparts get uh, funding rather mm -hmm. than me, but mm -hmm. that hasn't stopped us or that hasn't stopped me to, to uh, we just keep going ahead. We have our mm -hmm. customers. So, but the, the best type of VC money you could get is your customer's money. So, right. I think, uh, for, yeah, for me now, what's important is uh, making our customers happy, getting our mm. customer's money, and using that to build the business. And I'm sure when we get to a certain stage, um, the VC or the investors will be like, oh, yes, this, we didn't give our money from the beginning, but we've grown to this stage. That means, yeah, we could do better with funding. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so that's the first, funding. What are some of the other challenges? Okay. Uh, another challenge is um, most times people also underestimate you uh, mm. because people also feel that, oh, she's a lady, she doesn't know as much or... Uh, she doesn't know what's going on. But most times, it's not about also saying uh, whose horn is bigger than whose. So mm. most times, I just try to... Well, I, I wouldn't say be reserved, but mm. I just try to make sure that uh, if, any, if we're doing anything or we're coming out very well, it's the right mm -hmm. time. And we're right. doing it for the right, right reason. 
And it's not because we want to um, say something we are not or make people think we are something they didn't think we were something. Mm, right. Yeah, I get that. And so those would be, you say, two of the of the most, I guess, pressing or most, I guess, salient challenges that you've experienced. Ah, Is there anything else? Yeah. Yeah, third one would be uh, developers, definitely. So oh, due gosh. to the fact that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, also, yeah. you may also not have uh, the funds that those developers are looking for. So that will now want to take you back to say, oh, let's go and look for investors so we could get the money to get the best talent. But sometimes, yeah. too, that can also be distracting um, yeah. for people and everything. So it's not easy. Mm. Yeah. It's not easy. But um, we try to scale through the whole challenges. And little by little, we're scale, trying to scale through. So how are you... For example, how we, like you mentioned three. Okay, so there's funding, being underestimated, and developers. I guess if we look, if we start with developers, how do you yeah. overcome? How do you how do you manage that? Because I was having this conversation with uh, with another friend, and I was also having this conversation with my own web design team, and it's it's I guess it's pretty well known and accepted that there are a lot of not so good developers out there <laughs> like there's developers and then yeah. they're developers and i've come to the conclusion that uh developers are like uh thrill seekers you know okay. it's kind of like you know when you're going to do uh how do you call it skydiving you know thrill seeking you get up in the plane okay. and there's like a lot of energy and adrenaline and it's exciting and you're just about to jump out the plane and it's woo and all of that stuff that's sort of like the idea, you know? Yeah, I've got this idea. And, and they're very excited, mm. you know? And then they jump out the plane. Yeah. And there's a point when you jump out the plane. I've never skydived, but, but I can only imagine from watching it on, like, YouTube videos and stuff. You jump out the plane, and then there's just, like, wild rush. And then it's kind of like it dies down, right? It dies down, yeah. it dies down. And then eventually it all ends. And I feel like that's how developers are when it comes to like a startup. There's a point where I don't know if it's when it's time to do the work or when it's time mm. to to be in for the long haul or whatever it is. That's it's kind. That's how I would describe some developers. It's like just the the high at the beginning because there's like a project. Yeah. It's very exciting to be on a project, but then when it's time to kind of like really put in the work like long term and really get stuff done it's like that skydive experience it's just that period for a rush and then it's all over and i've actually heard this from a lot of people i describe it that way but i've actually heard this from a lot of people about developers <laughs> okay, is that a bad analogy cool. I, no 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 <laughs> it's, it's a good analogy but, but you know, i think there's always that rush at the beginning of a project yeah. everybody's excited yeah 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 yeah, I think I think the trick now is how how do you keep that adrenaline going? How do you keep mm. them interested? Yeah, how do, how you, do you make do sure that? you're bringing, yeah, yeah how more do you challenging. Do that yeah. So 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 I I would say um, the vision first of all plays most part in it. So mm -hmm. uh, if if they understand your vision and where you're going to, 
they mm-hmm. they know what is real and what is not so mm-hmm. they can tell the difference um i will also say at least uh, an effort to, should be there to um in the case where you have a lot of funding and you could develop their skills further you help them mm-hmm. develop their skills further but let me say in a case where there is none and you're also trying to bootstrap at least um yeah 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 yeah, yeah i'm looking for a word um the uh, there's a word i'm looking for but at least it, it should show that um you are there for them and you're trying your best to make sure that this also works and you know yeah. how valuable to uh, you and they are to you and they should mm. also understand that so and mm. they should also know that it's not a one way thing everybody mm. needs each other no matter how good you are you still need a team to uh grow so despite the fact that maybe they think that oh I'm more of the techie side and you only know the business so definitely it's something about joining forces rather than being like you should do this on your own i should do this on my own and mm. then we join together to see what works that way it doesn't work yeah but it's also commonly understood that most developers are working on several projects at a time so because of of how they work right i've i've actually heard that yeah. you know like some developers will be working on multiple projects at a time and they're naturally going to work on those projects that are paying them at least a steady Better. steady income yeah, so in their defense, you get that a lot as well. Mm. Well, well, yeah, I would, I would say it's also something natural. So um, I think um, I, my, my challenge with developers most time is not even about the steady income. Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, yeah, there's uh, this book that says uh, attitude is everything. You know, attitude will get you to where you're supposed to be. So... Most times, mm. I think it's an attitude problem or maybe an ego problem. Mm-hmm. It may not start out at first, but mm. along the way, it just picks up or it starts to show. And yeah, uh, yeah. So you yes. you have to ask yourself: Can I deal with it, or yeah. am I going to take this? Yeah. Yeah, I guess you know every every founder. I mean, we know being a founder is is hard, but I guess every founder has to to kind of determine or or figure out, like you said, what what is tolerable and what is acceptable. What are what are you going to manage? What are you going to deal with? Because you have to work with developers anyway. So, you know, I mean, I've I've spoken to people who've told me that in one. I mean, it's the same thing with web designers. You know, when you're starting your company. Yeah. I, I'm very fortunate to have had one web designer and I've been using her from the outset. Um, I always tell her I'm not leaving her until she fires me, <laughs> the whole design team. But and and I and I feel so grateful to have that. But it's the same thing, you know, some people have really bad experiences and they go through five, six, seven web designers before they can really find a good one. And I guess it's just one of those things. The same can be said for developers. Okay. Maybe you got to find a good one. 
It takes time. Yeah. Or you have to learn yes, or you yes. have to learn how to work with them. You got to speak their language. It's like with anybody, you know, you got to you got to speak the language yeah. of of that person. Like you said, how do you keep them engaged in the project? How do you keep how do you keep it exciting? But I guess the one thing I would say there is in when you're building anything, there isn't going you can't expect to have 24 hours, 7 days a week excitement. That's just not how it works, you know? At some point you just have to do the work and the work is the hard part. Yeah. And that's not always yeah. going to be exciting. That's just work. Yeah. So, you know? so that's where, that's where vision and mm-hmm. determination mm-hmm. comes in. Yeah. So okay. Okay. at, at right. least that, that, that should either keep you or should keep your team going and like, Oh, this is a vision we're working towards and we are determined to achieve it. Yes, uh, we yeah. are sure we are the right team to achieve it. Do you think it makes a difference, Ruth, if the the tech person uh, or the developers or who, whomever have business experience as well? Because I think sometimes, just like with any with any business that you're trying to build, people are very specialized. So if you're mm. a very techy person but you don't understand business, you may not really understand how everything is playing together because you're so focused on the tech. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So, so yes, it does make a difference. But mm. I think I've been in this situation before. Um, mm-hmm. It does make a difference, but it makes a difference when also the tech person has to trust the business person that uh, look, mm. this person is also making the right decisions. But if I feel there's a mistake, I'll just call your attention to it because uh, truthfully everybody kind of does business differently or conducts business differently according to how it works for them yeah so most times that person may be thinking oh if they do it my way it's going to work better than doing it their way so it's more about synergy both teams Mm -hmm. coming together and trusting themselves that oh we're going to make this work you trust me i can handle this or you trust me, I can handle the tech, and you trust me, I can handle the business side. Right, and right, right. Yeah. Team building. Right. Yeah. To the topic, to the topic of women in blockchain, why do you think there's so few women in this space? And this is just globally, generally. There's, I mean, obviously, there's a lot of women throughout the African continent that are involved in blockchain. There are a lot, but generally around the globe, there's very few women in in the blockchain space. Why do you think that yeah. is? Hmm. I, I'm, I'm not going to say everybody's experiences are the same. But right. some people also still think uh, it's a complex subject. And mm-hmm. uh, maybe they are not ready for it. Or they feel they could learn it bit by bit. Bit by mm-hmm. bit. Too. So even yeah. when I started out, yeah, there was another female-owned exchange. And I was looking forward to uh, seeing her grow too. So even though we're two women in this space, um, at least we could grow together. But, but um, while we try to do trades or do something, you see the guys, they'll call out and say, oh, this beats mama's competition, or this is this, or this is that. And I'm saying, no, we're not competition. We're trying to grow together. But along the mm-hmm. line, I saw her kind of drop off. And yeah, maybe I, I never asked, but 
till now. I don't know what's happening with her business or where she is. So it's things mm-hmm. like that. Maybe people like that need encouragement in this kind mm-hmm. of business because it's really tough. It's really, really tough. And just mm-hmm. being an entrepreneur alone is tough. Not mm-hmm. to talk of when you are now in a whole new kind of business model, which is the blockchain, and mm-hmm. still you are the minority group in that uh, ecosystem, it's going mm-hmm. to be a lot more tougher for you. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I think it's widely... I, sorry, I'm sorry, Ruth, go ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just saying I do hope uh, more women uh, come into the blockchain space so, like, a- any little chance I have, I try to teach my sister a teen or two or tell her a teen or two, and this is how this works. Because um, that's, that's the only way we would grow. And mm-hmm. we could even carve out more business model or more jobs out of the blockchain. What, what we're seeing now is just the tip of the iceberg. It's, right. It still goes real deep down. So... A lot more jobs and opportunities can come out of it. And it would be great to see women filling in those roles. Yeah. Um, I, I believe that just, just generally, there is more, there's fewer women in, in tech, you know, in tech, in finance, in science, as they call it, okay. in, STEM, in STEM fields. So blockchain yeah. is, is no exception as it falls under tech. I read somewhere that one of the reasons why, well, there were a few reasons why there are few women in the space is because apparently many still associate uh, blockchain with, with sort of like black market and pornography, you know, uh, weapons, drugs, kind of like, dark internet sort of thing <laughs> yeah so, so many so, still have okay. that view of blockchain yeah i read that somewhere okay maybe that will be in the western world i don't know but don't that know. view definitely doesn't exist in africa at right, least right. for mm-hmm. for the best that i know of instead mm-hmm. uh, more africans every day are looking about how they could create more use cases how how can they use the blockchain to solve this? How can we uh, add digital assets here? How can mm-hmm. we make this more auditable? You understand? So governments are corrupt. So people are looking for uh, systems that uh, make people more um, accountable for the things that uh, they do. So yeah. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's more about use cases or a place where some people say, oh, uh, I own this land, or five people are claiming to own a land. The next question is how can blockchain use, how can we use blockchain to solve this that um, if I uh, put my land uh, documents on the blockchain, it's mm-hmm. there. Everybody can see it. So even though the five people come to claim, oh, I own the land, uh, the records will always show that, oh, this person is the a verified owner of this land. So, you know, the whole thing about blockchain is trust, but verify. So if I tell you I own this land, you say, yes, okay, you own it. I trust you. But we still have to verify that you are the actual owner of that land. So things like that, that's where the blockchain comes in in Africa. So maybe it's more of the Western uh, marketing, not Mm -hmm. African 
So tell me then about about blockchain and women in blockchain in in your country generally, because we spoke about about the various um, sort of groups in Nigeria that center women in blockchain. But what is it like there? Can you explain to us? Are there a lot of women working in the space then? More yeah. so, so than so. No, we're not a lot, but at least it's better than 2016 when I started. 2016, okay. I, was, I was practically, like, alone. Wow. <laughs> I was alone. Okay. And the uh, only other woman I could look up to, I think she was in Botswana. So, yes, we all know yeah. her, the, the blockchain uh, lady, yes. Yes, so that was the only other woman I could look up to. The rest were... Either but now there are a lot. There are a lot more yeah, now. South Africa, Kenya. There's there's yes. there's a lot more African women involved in blockchain. It's changed a lot. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. It's growing and it's a it's a good thing. It's better than 2016. So yeah. Let's the next five years may bring more surprises to us. Yeah, for sure. So what do you think needs to happen to encourage more? more women to get into, I guess we have to start with girls, to get into blockchain? Yeah, I, I think, okay, I think first of all, before we go into blockchain, I think we'll start with tech. Say, yeah, oh, okay, you, tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah, get into tech first. And when you get mm. into tech, then get into blockchain. Know what the blockchain does. Get into And if you want to like specialize on that area, like even recently, like I said, when I was trying to talk to investors, if I look at portfolio companies, I see some women that focus mainly on blockchain and, and I'm, I'm happy about that because that is their total focus and saying, oh, if you're not a blockchain company, I don't invest in you. You understand? Right. So uh, yeah. that makes sense. Like I said, again, it's better than 2016 or 2018. Then these things were not there. But this is 2020 and since I evolved it. So I, I think another thing we could do is if we keep on saying education, 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 I think if we go about more use cases, like how does this thing work or how will this work? How will it look like in the environment? How, how yeah. will it make our lives better? Then right. how, how is it be... solving a problem? How is it solving a problem? Yes. Yes. Right. Then we may be onto something rather than saying we will do education because if you want to do that look at me <laughs> i studied pharmacy but i yeah. didn't uh, uh use that you understand and there are a lot more people like me that yeah. either study one course or the other and they never use that so it's now the same thing as we're saying oh how do i use blockchain and say take a thousand people and out of a thousand only 20 people actually do what you thought or mm. it's on your phone you could use it and do this you could use it and people get more curious to say okay let me see what i could build on it or let me see what i could do on it to make me some money or what i can do to make my life easier or life around my environment easier something like that yeah yeah i think that uh when it comes to blockchain there's it's actually a way to gain income women gain income through trading um yeah. and investing 
and yeah, yeah. it's also it's also um a, a means for financial inclusion so i think like you said if you show if you demonstrate rather how it can solve a problem and how it can improve your life then that's something in, that that might bring about something entirely different yeah for sure, for sure. So what is uh, sort of the, the next stage for you in this space as we're discussing women in blockchain? Like, do you do you, do you see yourself continuing along with BitMama and building up BitMama? Do you think you're going to do something different? And sort of like, what role do you want to play in terms of like developing women in the industry? Yeah, so uh, for me, uh for me this is something i'm going to do long term mm -hmm. so yeah so the next steps too for us is i think we've talked about it earlier is um we're now trying to um get the use case for blockchain or ethereum tokens or something out there and tell people mm -hmm. that look oh you could build on this you could make a product out of this and it's going to make you money. Um, mm -hmm. We could use digital currencies for remittances. And ju just like the first person who taught me was able to uh, transfer money from Japan to Nigeria effectively. And right. Him not being stressed out. Yes. So we could use uh, money for this. But the next question is how do we make it better? Like I always say. How do we make it usable and understandable that everybody is going to uh, understand it and not feel like in need of uh, friction or something? So say, mm -hmm. I, I don't know what Bitcoin is uh -huh, and uh, I have to go learn or maybe look through a, a couple of articles before I know what Bitcoin is. So um, I would say the blockchain needs to be as usable as the internet in order yes. for people to be able to plug in effectively. So, yeah. So just like uh, a six-year-old or a seven-year-old already knows what the internet is, and they know that if I'm not connected to the internet, I can't play my favorite games, or, or I can't send WhatsApp messages to uh, my sister or my mom or dad. So mm -hmm. I think we're getting to the point that blockchain and most protocols on the blockchain will be usable that way yeah definitely and and as you as you you say that i have to stress it usable meaning people actually they can get on easily you know the the user experience is 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 seamless it's straightforward it's not confusing yeah. and all of that yeah. stuff because right now it's not it's not all there yes that that's true that's true but that was the same thing uh, with the internet some um, years back. So yeah, uh, that's that, that's why I said things are evolving. So if we give it a little bit of time, all these things are going to change as time goes on. Yeah, definitely. But I know something that we've discussed in the past is uh, is education. The industry has okay. to do perhaps a bit more to educate okay. just the average person, the everyday person about this technology and how it works yeah. and how it can improve their lives. Yeah, so so for, for education, I, I think uh, most companies are trying their best, 
but mm. uh, we have a company specifically um, like companies that were started out specifically to be able to educate people about blockchain and cryptocurrencies. So I think what I would say is uh, in the ecosystem, maybe other companies should be able to either support or maybe give grants to those mm. other companies that that is specifically their sole purpose. And that way, since the, that builds up partnership and a lot of growth in the ecosystem too. So, but if you say you're just living into one person or you start a platform today, you have to educate people. You, another person starts a platform, they have to educate people. Another starts a platform, same thing happens. That way, mm-hmm. um, you, you start seeing conflicting information also spreading around. And mm-hmm. like you said, yeah, hell, it's about blockchain. You always have to trust and verify. So how are you sure that the information you got here, it's going to work? as the same way this information says is going to work. So, mm-hmm. but if there's like, yeah, I know uh, blockchain too is also about decentralization, but if we have these other academies that are blockchain academies or blockchain schools that mm-hmm. are disseminating that information in a decentralized way, the best thing would be to uh, support them instead mm-hmm. of having the one source of information that everybody uses. Yeah, for sure. And I just wanted to mention very quickly some of the women who are in blockchain. So like in your country, you've got Doris. Yes. Yeah. 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 And Doris heads up. uh, Is it Lioness? Lioness blockchain? Uh, Women, women in cryptocurrency. Yeah. Women in blockchain. And she also crypto lioness general. She's got that. And women in blockchain. Mm -hmm. And she there was also recently the um, Women in Blockchain conference. So she's okay. she's she's quite well known in Nigeria. Are there any other women that you'd like to mention so that people can can look them up to find out more about them in Nigeria who are in blockchain? Yes. Yeah. So um, we have uh, Faith, who is also a lawyer, but mm. she's also in blockchain too. I think she was one of also the earliest people I met that were also female in the space. Uh, mm-hmm. We also have uh, Rebecca. She has been writing about blockchain. Uh, Rebecca Asse. Uh, Faith, uh, I'm sorry, I've forgotten her surname. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, she, she, she has been there. Then Rebecca has been writing about crypto and blockchain for a couple of new sites for as long as I've known her. Mm-hmm. And yeah, other people are coming up in the space, like I said. So, yeah, definitely. We hope, we hope to see them soon. Yeah, yeah. And there's people sort of all over the continent. I mean, like that I've connected with personally as well. There's Yaliwe down in South Africa, who's doing okay. a lot of interesting things as well. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of women around like African women on the continent who are involved in blockchain. So all is not lost. There's more and more women coming yeah. up in the space who are doing a lot of interesting yes. things and they're they're bringing other women with them too, which is really important. Yeah. So you should definitely look for more women in the space. I will, I will. Yeah, because they're coming. So now that we're near the end, now that we're near the okay. end, 
what um, lessons learned uh, from your experiences would you like to share with our audience? Okay, I, I think the uh, popular one we usually say over here is uh, blockchain, um, trading cryptocurrency is not a get rich quick scheme. So mm. a couple of people feel like, oh, if I buy Bitcoin within this week, it's going to rise and I'm going to be a millionaire. No, oh it doesn't work that way. Uh, right. I think that's the first one. Two is uh, if you're going to go into any business that involves the blockchain or a protocol on the blockchain, you know, same thing. It's not a get rich quick scheme. You need dedication and um, determination to get uh, ahead or even get in this space. Because of, over time, uh, just as little as, yes, so I know I said uh, I, have, I had the dream by 2016, but officially we registered in 2018. So you could see whether it's in a space of four years or two years. I've seen a lot of people start up blockchain startups. So oh, I'm going to trade. I'm going to build an app. I'm going to do this. We all watch them, waiting to see if they are going to launch. But along the way, mm. they drop, they drop, or they discontinue their service. So um, I'll mm. say, in everything, so you have to give patience. Blockchain is still like the normal world business. You, it needs time to grow. It's not about mm. Um, mm. getting rich too quick. And um, if you don't have that patience or determination, uh, I don't think maybe you should be in this uh, line of um, business. Maybe mm. you could do something else. Maybe import or export. I don't know. <laughs> so, but, yeah. yeah, and I think generally just building a business, you've got to be in it for, for the long haul, right? There's no yeah. overnight success. Yeah at all okay. but but a lot of people think they are so so even though you read somewhere tomorrow that oh roots has become an overnight success or become a blockchain billionaire it didn't happen overnight <laughs> it took uh, a lot of um, roads to get there and a lot of sacrifice to get there so even even when i decided that i'm not going to practice again it was yeah. really a big decision, but at least I, I'm glad my dad uh, supported me and he understood that, oh, this, this is my daughter and she has had the flair for entrepreneurship or business ever since she was little. So mm. he had to trust me that I'll be fine to take care of myself too. Yeah, and that kind of support I think is really important. Um, yeah. having the support of your family because it's not easy when you tell your parents, you know, I've studied one thing and you're going to change to something else. You don't want to disappoint them. <laughs> yeah. So especially yeah, with no, the new... Funny enough, yeah, mm. funny enough, when, when, when I did say uh, I was going to study pharmacy, he was like, no, why don't you go and do computer science? I've seen you with the computer. You're good with it. Why don't you go and do that? And I was like, no. <laughs> I want mm. to be like mom because my mom, uh, she's a nurse. So okay. I was more getting attracted more to the medical field. And right. when I was done and I was like, oh, this is what I want to do. And he was like, ah, but I told you so. 
Yeah. Well, you know, Ruth, thank you for being one of the few. So by virtue of just being there, you 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 sort of create a, a path for others to come after you. So keep up the good work. Yeah. 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 And it was great. Thank you it so much. My pleasure. And it was great to have you on the podcast. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us from pharmacology to blockchain. Anything is possible, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. So, so tomorrow, who knows, in the future, we could have a, a use case for the blockchain. We could have a use case for the blockchain in pharmacy. Who knows? I'm not, I, I am not doubting that at all. I think that is also coming too because blockchain is not just about payments. It's, it's everything. It's every industry is going to be completely overhauled by this technology. So, yeah. And maybe that's what you, that, that could be your next thing, Ruth pharmacology and and blockchain where that that's your next project ruth there you go <laughs> are you sure are you sure I about that i have no idea <laughs> uh, uh. I'm, just, I'm just putting it out there in in the ether and see what come what's going to come but nonetheless thank you so much i hope everyone enjoyed yeah. listening to ruth's story and until next time bye for now yeah bye thank you bye. Hey there, Rare Ones. I hope you enjoyed listening into this week's conversation. The Rare Birds podcast is available for listen across all major platforms, including Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Anchor, and several more. Please share our conversations with your friends. Don't forget to subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can do so by opting in on our homepage of our website, www.rarebirdshq.com. The weekly newsletter provides analysis and data around the topics explored in our weekly conversations. Lastly, I would love your feedback and spend way too much time on Twitter. My handle is included in the notes section of each episode. Tweet me your thoughts, ideas, opinions, and feedback because I'm always looking for ways to improve my craft. If you absolutely love what you heard, then rate us on your favorite podcast platform. See you next week for more conversation. Bye for now.